Welcome to Single Mom Stories with Kelly Travis, a show that brings you stories and conversations about life as a single mom, the mess and the beauty and everything in between. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Single Mom Stories podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I know that life is crazy and busy, and it's very hard to sometimes carve out five minutes, let alone an hour, to listen to something. If you're like me, it might happen while doing five other things, or you might find your alone time in the bathroom. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for being here. And if you listened to the first couple of episodes, thanks for coming back. So a couple um, housekeeping items, we'll say, before we kick off this episode. Uh, Number one, if you aren't already following me over on Instagram, you can find me at Single Mom Stories Podcast. uh, And there I post new episodes, also just content daily, uh, you know, life of mom. If you are a visual person and you want to see the guests or me as you're listening, you can also listen on and watch over at YouTube. Uh, there is a channel and that link is in the show notes. So you can grab that there. And finally, I do have a Facebook book group that I just started for single mom uh, stories. And you can find it by typing in single mom stories, or you can grab the link in the show notes. I'd love to hang out with you in any of those places, I guess. (laughs) So definitely don't be a stranger. Okay. So I'm very excited about today's guest. I've had Khadija Tishan uh, on my other podcast, She Doesn't Settle. And it was following the release of her first book. And I was really excited to bring her over here because she's a seasoned solo mom and she's got some great perspectives and insight and learnings. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. And I could have talked to her for hours, but that would have been rude for me to keep her on. I love her. I adore her. I'm so thankful for her to come on and chat with us. And I'm excited for you to um, join in and listen to this conversation. Let me tell you about Khadija first, though. She's an author, speaker, licensed therapist, and founder of Real Healing Center. She offers clinical training and education around healing trauma, and her mission is compassionate collective healing. We talk a lot about compassion on this episode. Since releasing her first book, Real, Radical Empathic Acceptance of Life, she continues to challenge the world around the impact of trauma, culture, grief, and compassion. She's been featured on the African History Network, Radio One, and the CW, not to mention a host of podcasts, universities, and community organizations. Her last online course, Fear, A Healing Journey, challenges your ideas around trauma, grief, and compassion to create a personal narrative of healing. She's a badass. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to talk all about it because I just want you to jump in and listen. So let's just go. Here's my conversation with Khadija. Hello, Miss Khadija. Hey, how are you, Kelly? I am good. How are you? Excellent. 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 I'm so excited to have you. You were on the She Doesn't Settle podcast a while ago. It was like, I feel like it was pre pandemic. Yeah. I think it was in pandemic. It was like June 2020. So like the early part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Where no one knew anything. 
and it was still exciting. Mm-hmm. We talked all about your book. Yes. Yes. Real. Yes. How is that doing? It is excellent. I'm still talking about the book. I'm working on a second book all about, this one will be all about compassion, which is kind of connected to radical empathy. And I've already done like the fear course connected to this book. And I mean, with women and it's been amazing. So I mean, tears, cheers, feedback, growth spurts, all that good stuff that you want to hear. So I'm excited to finish this one. Can we talk about compassion since we are talking about being a single mom? Definitely. 100%. Like it's a must. It, it's a must. So in your own journey as a single mom, well, let's start. How long have you been a single mom? My son is 20 years old. So um, I consider it 20 years. I literally came into the situation as a single mom, knowing that I would be a single mom when I was pregnant. So forever. And then, and then I did, you know, get married when my son was about seven or eight years old. So I did not always, you know what I'm saying? I'll just go ahead and say, I personally, like, I don't even really use the single mom term because I feel like I'm just a mom who's not married, right? Or not partnered. But really, I had an entire village to help me with my son. So it was nothing single about it. <laughs> to be honest, I think. Yeah, I love that perspective. I really do. Because if we put ourselves in that category, which obviously we do on this podcast conversation, but if we feel too much into that, we can get in our heads about it, right? Oh my gosh. And I know so many married or coupled moms that do more and and more and even take on the entire kind of trope of single, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, to me, it's unfair to be like, I'm a single mom. And then like, I see a couple that married mom and I'm like, well, am I single? <laughs> I mean, I don't do everything. I don't do all the things. Never have. I think there are differences. I mean, financially, you don't have that other person helping out. Like, I think there's a mental, maybe emotional piece missing because you don't have that partner at the end of the day all the time. Those types of things are different. Yeah. But yeah, I know I have friends who take on the bulk of the responsibilities and they definitely feel on a lot of occasions that they're all alone too. Definitely. They and then depending on the quality of the relationship, they nothing different. <laughs> I mean, they may not be going, they may not be going on dates. Like, but I think that was one of the things like when I was a single mom young. I really had this idea that like married moms had it so much better, right? Like they had this like very ideal life and like the dad would come home and like play with the kids and put them to sleep and like do their set of the chores. And then you meet people and you realize in life, what you think people have is oftentimes just a guess at best. It is just in your head and it doesn't necessarily mean better, just means different. But definitely the financial piece is something to consider. Yeah, for sure. So did you kind of prepare yourself? Because you said that you knew prior to even having your son that you were going to be on your own. So what did you do to set yourself up? I didn't do a whole lot. Even in my book, I kind of talk about knowing that I was I was pregnant, right? And I was just finishing college undergrad. And I had set my expectation that I was going to go to grad school for psychology and become a psychologist. And I was, you know, really interested in that field. 
And and then I found myself pregnant and I was like, didn't have a job, didn't have really, I couldn't go away to grad school because I really didn't have any supports away. And um, I really built the life that I have around being in that situation of like, what do I do now? Oh shit, what do I do now? So that's why I ended up going to clinical social work and um, going to grad school that way. And then having the supports here and having daycare programs for single moms and housing and things like that. So everything sort of came about because of that. I always say like, that was the track of life where it sort of, it took me and I kind of found a way and made a way. But I knew like in pregnancy, like we were not, we were, me and me and his father were off and on. And so it was pretty much understood. And he reinforced that like, hey, you, you're doing this on your own. And, you know, he's still in my, you know, our son's life and stuff, but it was definitely a, you are making the decisions, you are choosing, it is on you. And it was no lie devastating at first because it wasn't, you know, what I wanted. Of course it wasn't. And and it's like I said, in the second book, I go even deeper into that whole compassion for myself because like a lot of single moms, I felt stupid. I was like, how did I get myself here? I, I, on one hand, I knew I was very bright. And then like, how do smart people do? <laughs> yeah. how, do how do you be smart and not consider all of these other things? And so having like those labels, right? Like even with him, like the father saying like, hey, you're, you're going to be another statistic. You know, you're going to be another statistic. And I think too, even coming from where I came from and like my mom really having lots of children and having all those images, right? Of like, I'm going to be in poverty forever. I'm black woman. I can't overcome these obstacles. And here I am. I put myself in this situation. I chose this, right? And beating up on me. And then I did the work, right? The, the psych healing work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like my life was just like a blessing. Like that was a blessing for me to have experienced that. And then I get the opportunity to speak to other moms or Women who look like me, who are like, I did it all. I had a you know baby early, or I had a baby by someone I sh- maybe I shouldn't have, or that we're not going to be partner forever in. And it's like that's the way it was supposed to go. That's having compassion for yourself is really saying everything that I chose was what I wanted at the time, and everything that happened was what was supposed to happen. And having a a, a baby like that helped me to even do clinical social work and really understand all of the different dynamic. So, okay. I have a couple of questions. First, I want to comment on that because I find myself having to remind myself when I'm judging the old me, we're so good at judging like the, the us from 10, 20 years ago, because we have different information and experience now, right? Like I'm a different person. I've grown. I'm, I can very easily tell the 10 years younger Kelly, like you shouldn't be doing this. But we forget that, like, we're not in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I say to my clients, like, I don't have any regrets about anything that happened to me. Would I choose the same today? No, but I don't have regrets. Because if I were 22 years old, would I have chosen this, made the same decision? Yes. And I'm 42, right? Would I do that again? No, because I'm in a completely different, you know, place. and. Maybe I was still solo parent, right? I might still adopt. I might still foster. I don't have any like real downside to it. If that's, you want a mother, then mother, right? If that's like calling you, then do it. But to have um, what society deems as 
the traditional American family. What is even that? I mean, I'm a therapist and people ask me like all this time, like, how do you know that you'll have work? Look at families. Yeah. That's how I know I'll stay employed forever. I'll work until I don't want to anymore. Like, do you think it's better culture, race, north, south, family? Look at it. Take a good heart. Look at it. The traditional family, is it even healthy? Is it though? Like, is that the way because someone said it the way? Right. Do you feel like we're becoming more accepting of the non-traditional? I think the good thing is that people are waking up to what's healthy for them. You know, like not without the label, like what's healthy for you in your marriage or your relationship or how you raise your children. Is that like a healthy, authentic way to live? And I think people are waking up to that and realizing, like, I know, like culturally, we ha- we sometimes I- idealize our grandparents' marriages or our grandparents, whatever. And we're like, so you want to not be able to drive your whole life? You want to be your, like, that? it's not even comparable. But we we like to do that because it gives us something sort of like to hold on to and all of that. So I think, I don't even know what, like, to now I'm like, what is traditional? What even is a traditional, a man, a woman, 2.5 children? Is that traditional? What if they have 13 children? What if they have five? Right. Because to me, sometimes people see large families and go, that's not traditional. No. <laughs> or a blended family. That's not traditional. But now blended families are very much like normal. What? Yeah. yeah. You have the same father and mother. Like, interesting. So I think it's being redetermined and, and people are reshuffling what really honors them, like what they're comfortable with. Sometimes you're trying to squeeze yourself into a box. Yeah. And speaking of that, you were a solo parent for like seven years, I think you said, and then you married for a period of time. Was that a tough transition for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't say we're living with another adult is, um, a challenge for me. Um, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it. I never really, because I had my son young, right? Like I never really had a roommate. I never really lived with another adult. You know, it was like either family and I'm, I'm not even sure if I was good living with family. Now in this phase of my life, my son's in college. This is the first time I told my friend, I was like, this is the first time I've actually lived alone, alone. And it's like, great. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I don't have to wash these dishes. I don't, I don't have to. If things are in the laundry, if they're just going to stay there talking to them, you know what I'm saying? Or it's super neat or I can keep it the way I want. Now, I don't think that's a forever thing for me, but, um, you know, for some people, like, like I noticed, like some people will live with a man or live with a partner and I'm, I just never been really like with it like that. I'm like, I got to commit, like, I got to really want to do that to do that. But I get it. Some people have to, have, like, I need that every day. Like, I'm like, nah, I can come visit five days a week. Mm-hmm. I don't really need it like that. But if, like I said, one day I get married again, I would have to readjust. It's two people raised in two separate households coming together and you realize you don't wash this just the same. You don't eat at the same time. It is a huge adjustment that I was not prepared for, that nobody prepared me for, that I was told that like, this is what you should want. You should want to be a single parent. Yeah. A lot, e- lot easier when I just had, me, a kid, I made the schedule. I said when, how, I don't have to worry about this other person in their time. Way easier, I will say that. So it was a significant adjustment. 
like good and bad, but significant. I recently read an article about the article was about like how women after divorce are less likely than men to get remarried. And it talked about like some of the reasons why a lot of it has to do with like women actually, once they realize that they're not in a relationship like that, they have less responsibility. (laughs) But then it also talked about like single moms and how the priority shift, right? Like to like, you know what, I'm just going to prioritize this kid that I have, these children and the other stuff will come later. Right. I mean, I, I see moms do this all the time. Like I've, I've, I have like professional friend moms and stuff like that. They're professors and doctors and lawyers and stuff. And they're like, you know, we got divorced. However, eight years ago, 10 years, I haven't been on a date since then. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> like, no, no. I mean, I, I really help women to like create faith for the in-between. How do you do that? Like, cause I do know of a lot of, and I'm sure women listening are in that place. A lot of them, like, what do you say or how do you work with them on that? I remind them how dope it is to be liking somebody and to go out with a boy for the first time and for a boy to like you and to go like the butterflies in your stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like boys are still dope regardless whether you marry them or not. And if you don't marry them, sometimes they dope up. Low key, don't want to say it, but sometimes someone can stay special because you don't have the responsibilities of raising kids together, paying bills together. So to like want to enter that, I'm not going to call it a struggle, but that is a whole nother set of challenges that you can decide that you do or don't want to do with a person. You can literally enjoy someone for the sake of enjoying someone. And then if you want to join them in a, in a more, more connected partnership journey, then do it. If this seems like that's a good connection, but all of the like, let's go have coffee, let's go for a walk, let's go hang out for a movie, let's stay up all night and laugh at Karate Kid. Like, <laughs> do that. Yeah. Like, why you gotta be something? But I think that unfortunately, the way that women are like programmed is like, if we're not a title to a man, we gotta have a title to a man. And there's nothing wrong with taking your time. Not to say you're not gonna ever have a title to like wife, but maybe you just want to go on a date and remind yourself what it's like to just like somebody and enjoy them in whatever capacity you want to. I love that. I do think that like the societal pressures, expectations play a huge role. Like women are resistant to do that all over again, single parents, because they're like, well, then people are going to expect that I'm going to like get married again. And I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to just be like, Hey, I'm just doing this right now. Like maybe I will get married one day and maybe I won't. I think, um, the worst things that people say that you hear it on social media all the time is like, there's someone giving advice about a relationship and someone, what their comeback is, well, that's, that's why you're still single. You know, like, like you hear that people do the what that's what like they think that's actually a jab at the person who's giving maybe even solid advice. Like maybe you wanna like what I just said. Like someone might say, Well, that's why you're still single. They don't have any information as to why I'm single. But then somehow a woman being single is really looked at and looked down upon. But a man being in 40, 50 years old and being single, oh, he must be great at his career. Oh, he must. He can, he can get the top of the line. So he needs to take his time and be sure. But a woman doing that, a woman saying, I just don't want to settle down with just any old body. 
oh, she's an old maid. She's going to have cats. She's, and it's like, maybe she just hasn't found the person that she's excited enough about to marry. Or maybe this is not, marriage is not a priority. So I think that if we really want to like deinstitutionalize what love and relate, like take it apart. What is the parts that you really like? Most of the time, the things you like have nothing to do with marriage. Like affection, date night, liking, texting, calling, compassion, like deep conversation, not even, not even a part of marriage, right? Not the whole legal part. Not, but that's the part that most people find pleasurable. And they think that has to lead to that or it's not even valid. That has to be connected to some kind of responsibility. And it doesn't have to. It doesn't really have to. I love that. I feel like, okay, I'm going to go back. So you were 22, right? Mm-hmm. Your son. Did you choose social work, that path, because of your own experience, or were you already on that path? I was a psychology major, and then I had that experience of you know being pregnant, being depressed, and a, a major depression. Start going to a therapist, was already in grad school for psychology, and the therapist was like, you should probably do this, right? And I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm doing research, and I didn't like grad school for psychology because it was mostly like intelligence testing. Yeah. And she said, oh, apply for clinical social work because you could be a therapist. You could do this, you could do that. And so that's what led me to to clinical social work and my like, hey, one day I'm going to be a therapist, right? But there was so much graduation, getting jobs in social services, child protective services. Four years later, I was licensed. So it, it still was like an eight-year kind of journey to being a therapist, so to speak. So what was that like for you, juggling a child on your own, going to grad school? Were you working also? Mm -hmm. I did what they might call the most untraditional path. I literally applied when I was pregnant with my son. I was accepted to start that fall. By that time, he would have been born in February. I was going to start in August. This is about six months old. And so I put him in daycare, this great daycare program that like went based off of your income. I started looking for places to live and found this great low-income, like little small town thing and um, just started commuting to grad school and taking them to daycare. So I didn't work during the week, but I did work on the weekend and I just kind of lived off loans and I was finished in two years. It was challenging. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like a lot of people wouldn't. I, I, I mentor post-work students now, right? And I'm always like, go to grad school, go to grad school. They're like, no, I want to go to work. I want to get a job. I want to experience what life. And I'm like, no, because you won't go to grad school. You'll start working and you'll start making money and you'll know what money feels like. And once you know what money feels like, you're not going to want to put it down to go to, to grad. You know what I'm saying? You can't make 50 and then be like, I'm going to make $5,000 a year. Right. Most people can't adjust. So they'll go, okay, well, I'll go to work and then I'll go to grad school part-time. But now you're working 12 hours a day right? Because you got to study. So I'm like, no, just don't work. Just go graduate, finish what you got to do, go straight to grad school, finish what you got to do. If you want to go get your PhD, finish what you... But a lot of times, like I said, we want to have all of the... We want to have money and we want to have education and we want to have... And when do you rest? You know, when do you rest? You you get burnout very... This is already a kind of a stressful job. Why would you want to do that to yourself? So I know that is very non-traditional because most people don't do it that way. They're not going to take two years kind of off and just work part-time and have a kid. But you know what? Like we never, we never went hungry. 
like we didn't have a lot of money, but I always like paid up my like my bills for six months. Every semester I would just pay ahead. So I wouldn't have anything to worry about. And everything worked out. So non-traditional, but a blessing. Mm-hmm. What would you say if you look back, like your son's 20, so you've really been through like all of the milestones, right? Still going through them. Still, still going, going through, through it. Still, still, going, still through. going through it. Doesn't stop. But I am especially curious because I have little boys, right? And I think that there is a challenge when you are the sole parent raising boys. So what would you say some of the like more challenging times have been? Woo-hoo. Middle school for sure. Damn, they killed me. <laughs> middle school, I don't know what happened. I don't even think this is just boys. I think this is just middle school kids are in a very challenging space where it's like, I'm kind of thinking like an adult, but I kind of have a body of a little kid and I kind of don't know how to mesh that well. So hormones and behaviors and all sorts of things. Middle school was the most hand down challenging time. I think the relationship, especially when you have little boys, for me, it was like, what kind of relationship is he going to have with men, right? I I thought it was super important for me, even though I wasn't with his father, to encourage for for them to have a relationship. And I'll be honest with you, I tell mothers this all the time, it's like, don't make it about you, though. Like, don't make them not having a relationship or having a certain type of relationship your job. It's not your job that his father is in his life in the way that you want him to be. Just allow him to be in his life, right? But what he does with his time as father is really their time. Um, and that's one thing that I, I spent a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of courts, a lot of mediation, a lot of custody. When are you going to get them and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, it took so much time away from my my life. But my my son's father told me something really essential that I just like listened to when my son was like really young. And he was said, you're not going to tell me what kind of father I get to be. And ever since then, I was like, you're right. And ever since then, I've been like, I don't, I don't. We sometimes as single moms, we put that guilt of he ain't the type of father I wanted for you on us when it's like nothing to do with us. So like, I always think like this, do men, do fathers go, that ain't the type of mother I want. <laughs> like, can I just have sex with somebody? And, yeah. And was for me. No, they don't ever, men don't carry that kind of guilt of, well, she ain't what I really wanted. You know what I'm saying? And we get our, we get ourselves into this like whole guilt cycle about the relationship and maybe I shouldn't have, or maybe I couldn't have, and maybe I should have done this instead. And it's like, it's none of our business. It's none of our business what kind of father your father is. I think the important thing and the most valuable thing is like, I made sure that my son had men in his life yes. that fathered him and uncled him and big brothered him and loved him and he could look up to. And whether that be like the person I married later or like relationships or baseball coaches, basketball coaches, he always had someone to identify with. He always had someone he could trust and talk to who was who looked like him, you know. And that that was really super important. But I was I was at the time when he was young, I was like putting so much stress and pressure. Like, why won't his father just? You know what I mean? And so many women are like, in that why won't his? It's like it's none of your business. It's not your business what he chooses to be. Mind your business. Yes, I needed to hear that. 
because that is such an important thing and it is something we all wrestle with, which is just tied to the, our own like guilt, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely nothing to be guilty about. You lived your life and you know what I'm saying? Like I felt so much, I mean, even down to the like, why did I have this baby? And why did I have sex with this person? And like, like why didn't I make it? Like yes. all of it, like every single moment, why that night? Why, you know what I'm saying? Like everything. And you're just like, you can appreciate the losses, right? Like that's what I'm learning now. To appreciate the loss and the grief of you not having what you wanted for your child and let it go. Grieve and let it go. And and that's what I'm doing with life in terms of compassion is we hold so much onto so many things, like we're going to be able to hold it and be mad at it and change it. And it's like, no, we grieve it. I wish this was different for you. And I accept that it's not going to be. And so yeah. this is what I'm going to do for you going forward. Zuri, you'll always be able to come and talk to me. Zuri, you'll always have these men, right, in your life. They're not going anywhere. Uncles, cousins, friends, they're always going to be solid for you. You always know that you have a safe space here and anything that you need. To, and now, you know, my son's 20. I'm like encouraging him. Like we have to have talks. Like he'll tell me stuff about his father and I'll be like, did you tell him that? Yeah. Okay, well, if you haven't, don't tell me it's none of my business. Right. Make it his business. When you're ready to talk to him, talk to him. And I hope to God one day that that, that happens. He probably will. But it's important for moms to have that like good, healthy boundary with their kids. Maybe I'm not responsible for everybody in your life. Definitely not your dad. I'm only responsible for me. And I'll help you as much as I can, but I'm not responsible. Yeah, that's such a good lesson to focus on what we can control. <laughs> ultimate compassion it's, all, it's radical compassion oh freaking hard <laughs> like like hard r radical because when you say that you know like i mean to be honest with you i understand why women and i used to feel like that like because the messaging it's shame about being single it's shame about divorce it's shame about not staying in a, in a certain family unit it's it's just shame and, and if you really think about it it's like part of our conditioning we shame women because we make women responsible for things not working in families. What I always ask people, when people be like, single mom, single moms, how did they become single? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like, I'm not a single mom. I'm literally a mother. But I can't be, I can't be a single mom without someone leaving, right? In some form, fashion, or way, something had to end for me to even get a title but we focus a lot of our energy on the you know, boys aren't going to grow up to be men if they're raised by women. Who said boys are going to be, I don't know, feminized if they're around to feminine energy. Who said what's, what's enough? What's too much? Yep. But I do think that boys do need men around. Definitely. I think that, you know, biologically, like you want someone that looks like you understands, you know what I'm saying? Just like girls. Right. But all of this pressure on women Again, I, I told a friend of mine, like we were having lunch and I was like, I don't want my son to learn Black women to the rescue the rest of his life. No, I don't want to be to the rescue of everyone. I'm not here to rescue the whole world. Like, don't put that kind of pressure on me. You got a job to do. You do your part, I'll do mine. It's what the world is supposed to be about balance, not about me owning everything. I feel like you can correct me, but I feel like you have a pretty healthy relationship. Maybe you didn't always, but you do maybe now with like giving yourself grace, giving yourself time and rest. 
Have you always been good at that or? Oh, hell no. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) no. I mean, it's been 20 years, so I'm guessing there was a learning curve. No, no. I was the queen. I mean, and people would, and I always like acknowledge this, like I'm telling this to people who have young kids now. I was the worst. That's what I'm saying. I can talk to it because I literally did everything that you guys do. I'm talking about you guys, like the women who do like. I worked two jobs the majority of the time my son was young. Like I worked a weekend job, an evening job. Even when I got licensed, I would work. I worked a business. I worked contracting. Like I worked constantly. Work was like, I didn't know how to survive without working 10 or 12 hour days, five days a week, six days a week sometimes. I think for me, so many things had <laughs> have had to like crack me open, right? Grief, loss, death, where I started realizing that life was literally like not a guarantee, right? There was no guarantee about anything in life. And that like God, and this is what the the next book is about, like God gives us these gifts, but he doesn't give us time. He only gives us the gifts. So it's our job to figure out how to use our gifts the best. And I wasn't using my gift the best. I was just, you know, Khadija was all over the place and like, oh, I'm making all this money. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it was just like, but this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I want to do. And I had to start having a different relationship with myself. And I got into this, you know, great women's group and they're talking about taking care of their, they had small children and my child was older. And I was like, you guys are so great. You guys are like feeding your babies natural food and growing sweet potatoes in your backyard. And like, I never did this because I was working. I don't remember all of these things. And they're just like, why are you talking to yourself like that? You did an amazing job. Why are you even comparing yourself? To women who have a completely different situation. No, I'm not going to be growing sweet potatoes in my backyard and pureeing them and like, like organic baby food. Like I'm not going to be doing that. And so what? Right. I was like, yeah, I don't care about knocking on my, my son's father's door and being like, you got the baby today. I got stuff to do. Right. This is the kind of stuff I was doing, but I was always feeling so much shame about that. Like I couldn't be the mom who was making the organic baby food. And I couldn't be the mom who went to all the play dates and I couldn't be the mom who could be like soccer mom and make all the t-shirts that matched with the chairs with the with the stenciling with their names on them. Like there were moms like that. And I oh, I know. Here's your $50. Yeah. Like I don't want to like, but I would feel guilt and like throw money at it instead of just being like, but do you want to do it? Is that what you really want to do? If you really want to do it, then do it. But if you don't, don't feel guilty that you don't want to do it because society says this is what good moms, you know, do. And when I started cracking that shell open and like, maybe I wasn't a terrible mom. Like maybe I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I did what I had to do, yeah. But maybe I did really ultimately what I wanted to do. And me choosing what I want to do is sort of teaching my child freedom and liberation. Maybe that's more important than having cleaned the dishes or, you know what I'm saying? Like did a chore chart, you know what I'm saying? Like organized their toys and by color. Yeah. Maybe this was more important. Maybe this was a more important lesson around liberation and freedom for myself. And I think once that happened, I realized, hey, I'm a damn good mom. Like, I ain't even have to do that. And even today, I have to be like, tell my son, I don't have to do that for you. (laughs) I don't owe you anything. I love that. He hates it. (laughs) He hates it, but he needs to understand. I'm not disposable. I'm not to your rescue. And to, I think there's, we got to acknowledge that there's men out here today who grow up thinking that women are supposed to be some 
kind of shape or way emotionally responsible for them or even financially responsible for them or they should do things to make them comfortable. And I don't want my son to learn that. I don't want to reinforce that to any young man that any other person outside of yourself is responsible for family other than you. I think that's a sometimes difficult line to walk, right? As a solo parent where you feel like you're so responsible or have to be so responsible for these little ones, but you also don't want to lead them down that path to believe that somebody's always going to be there to save them. Yeah. It's, it's, you can do all that you can do. Right. And it's okay to say, like, even with little kids, just to be like, I need a moment to myself. It's going to have to wait. If it's not blood or fire or burns or something, they can be upset for a little bit. I mean, while you get yourself together, whether that be half glass of wine or a TV show, or I just need to listen to some music in my, in my ear pods or whatever. Like, I think teaching moms, especially to do that is like revolutionary to me because no one ever taught me that it was okay to take a break and just be like, I'm checked out for the rest of the day. I've had a really, can it wait? You know, can it wait till tomorrow? Let me know, you know, let them figure out some things for themselves. But yeah, you're right. It's a balance. It is. Yeah. Okay. Like one of your favorite memories of you and your son. Oh my gosh. We have so many good Well, I I will say I've always been the type of parent that's been like kind of super fun and sort of irresponsible. So I'm like, I'm all, I would, I would text him sometime or message him. I think he was like third or fourth grade. And I was like, Hey, you don't have to go to school today. There's this new movie coming out and like, let's just skip school. Let's just, you know, I said, let's just play hooky. He was like, what is even hooky? (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I'm like, let's skip school. You don't have to go to school. We can play. And he was like, no, mom, I've got perfect attendance. And I was like, you? <laughs> you? How did you do it? Who taught you? Who taught I, I didn't even know like this was important to him. Like this is not at all. And I realized I was like, I wasn't that type of kid where attendance was important. If my mom would have said, let's go play, I would have been like, oh, really? I'm out. But yeah, I think that was one of my favorite uh, of many, many <laughs> memories that he was he was really into perfect attendance and he's still this day still really into school i love it so he's out now you're like empty nester empty nester how was that transition for you it's been a transition in that i think that my business right has definitely moved in a different direction i feel like having a 20 year old and um going through stages like i'm able to speak with more like wisdom Right. Because I'm not like I have a five-year-old. I'm like, I don't know what a six-year-old would do. Right. But and it's not to say one child defines all the others, but I value so much like women valuing themselves in their time. I think just like like I said about the grief and loss, like time is so precious. I don't want women or men or whoever parents spending time with children and being like, I really I'm done. Like I'm tapped out. I'm doing this for the optics of it. If you really can't be engaged, then don't be. Like take a minute and like think about how how you're really giving and experiencing because you know, really kids remember. Kids remember when you don't want to be bothered, but you were bothered. And they don't appreciate it. They're not like, I remember when you were really irritable, but you still did that thing. They're like, I wish I didn't have you irritable. Right. So if you need to not do it because you just don't feel it, then don't do it when you really feel it. Cause they feel when you really want to do it. So yeah, so many wisdom. So, so glad to be at this stage. And then so like missing the smaller, safer, 
I can control a lot of what's going on stage. Yeah. I miss that too. Yeah. I think there's, I feel like there's like a little bit of a loss with every stage, right? You kind of reflect back and go, oh, I missed parts of that. But now there's like a new thing that is happening. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember like having Missouri and I was like, when is he going to be potty trained? Like Uh that was like, it upset my life. Like when is this over? And I was like, always like, I can't wait till he's three. I can't wait till he's three. I can't wait till he's three. And then like now he's 20 and I'm like, what happened? Where did it go? It, he went from like three to 20. Like it was like, yeah, <laughs> like it, bed, it was like three, 10, 20. Like it was, so I'm like, just appreciating every stage for what, for what it gives and knowing that I would be in a lot of ways, like, like a, a different kind of parent now, you know, because I would enjoy myself and in, in the moment more than the stress of it. So I'm just really against like, mom, no, like you're probably not ruining him. You're probably just showing him how to, anytime you have freedoms, like you're showing him freedom and liberation. You're showing her freedom and liberation. Continue to model that because that's what they're going to need to make it in this world. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is one thing you think you would do differently? And you just answered that. Oh yeah. Not stress about it. Not let other people get in your ear about what you need to do when. I mean, and a big part of like me even getting married was my son saying like, I don't have a dad in the house. Why does all my friends have a dad in the house? <laughs> and I was like, you really don't have a dad, brother. <laughs> like, you really don't. So I think that was a lot of my, like, I probably was like, fine. It was like, it's just, I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't want my son to miss out on having this, tra- quote, traditional family. I, I didn't want him to miss out on anything. And so you sort of make yourself the sacrifice for your children, we've been, and I'm like, I'm anti-sacrificing for, for anyone because it, it never compromised yourself to nothing. And then who's happy? They're not, you're not. You can't all win and do it. I think the message that you've kind of woven into a lot of this, which goes with the compassion piece is to choose for what's best for you and your situation, right? And tune out like all the noise. Yeah, I think that, the thing that most people struggle around is understanding that there is an answer that will probably um, work for everybody to a certain degree, right? There's going to be, there, I think people, especially women, they feel like it's got to be one or the other. It can't be dual. It can't be both and. It has to be this or that. And it's like, no, like women will tell me and I listen to what people say and I listen to what they don't say. You know, I'll do what's best for my kid. I'll do what's, you know, I'll buy them this. And I'm like, are you in your budget? Are you part of your family? Because if your family budget doesn't include you, where are you then? Because you're not in the family. If I'm budgeting things and I'm not included in those that budget of things that I need, or even time, time that you need, why are you excluding yourself from, I got to take care of my family? You're in the family that you're supposed to be taking care of. But women don't oftentimes connect themselves to the family piece. We got to take care of them not thinking we got to take care of all of us. And oftentimes there's an answer that can meet all of or most of what everybody wants. If you kind of sit and think about it, but don't cheat yourself out of what you want to give them what what they want. (laughs) You know, like find the answer that works for most of all of you. Yeah, Uh, I love it. Okay, Khadija, can you, okay. So you have the book out real, which 
has been out for a couple of years now. And then this new book, when are you set to have that one out? I'm hoping fall this year. I'm hoping this book will be out in the fall. I've already started writing. I go off to Africa in April. I'll finish the last part of this book there. I'm hoping, right? Everything goes well in six weeks, right? So yeah, just the editing part and the marketing part and all of the things that I don't like doing. Yep. <laughs> but I'll do How it. long are you going to be in Africa? You went there a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Like year? I, last year. Yeah. yeah. I, was just, I was in Morocco in September. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing life changing. That's going to be in the book too. And then, um, so this, it'll be my birthday. So I, once I went to Africa, I was like, I got to spend every birthday now here and finishing up this work for this compassion book. And this will be in Senegal. So yes, yeah, so I'll be there like a couple weeks, like a week or two. And are you going alone or with a group alone? I'm going alone. I mean, people on Facebook, they might follow me because they're yeah. following. So they're like, where what is it? What's the date? I'm like, you're more than welcome to come. I'll be in my own room. So what we can we can parlay together. It is not nothing. Like, hey, like be meeting up, hotels be closed. So I, I know someone there too. So it, it should it should be exciting. Oh, I love it. I'm excited to follow you along. Yes. Yes. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being here and sharing so much wisdom. I so appreciate your experience and your insights and your ability to look back and reflect. And um, I'm excited for what's next for you now that you've got a little bit more time and space. And yes. I'm excited for me. Thank you so much for having me. That was great, right? She's amazing. Every time I have these interviews with other women, other mothers, I just feel this sense of, well, obviously community, but more than that, like understanding and just the sharing of stories just feels so good. So I hope that listening brings that to you as well. All right. If you enjoyed this episode specifically, make sure you take a screenshot, tag me, tag single mom stories or at Kelly T health or both. So that I know that you listened and let me know what you loved about it. And you can also leave a comment over on YouTube or um, again, find me over on Facebook as well. And if you don't mind and you did enjoy it, since this is a new podcast, it would be so great if you went over to where you rate and review and you do a little rating and reviewing. <laughs> that way more people can find this podcast and we can start to connect with and help other single moms, parents doing it alone, parents parents who have partners who just want to hear the stories, all of it. Okay, I'm going to be done with talking. I hope you have a wonderful day, week, and I will chat with you next week. Bye.